Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Good evening, welcome to Actung Millwall, recording at the slightly earlier time and the earlier day, because that's we're brought to you by Amazon tonight. Uh, <laughs> like the approached us, and they said, "Hey, you lot are big time, so we want you on early doors." So we're kicking off at six o'clock on a Wednesday rather than a Thursday. I'm not sure whether that means anything to Nick, who's going to be putting this podcast out. But uh, yeah, the daddy, Nick Carter, is here. All right, pal, how, how does it feel to be worldwide, mate? Worldwide, global, global Nick. That's not bad. I, I'm actually um, via Mrs. Hart, who spends a lot of money on Amazon. Um, we've actually got the um, the Amazon Prime video, so we watched some of the, the coverage last night. Strange, as you mention it, and um, they're on again tonight, aren't they? They've got two days of coverage. And is it Boxing Day? I, I think I saw that they've they've got Boxing Day fixtures. They, they have Boxing Day. Have this round pictures and boxing there for the next three years. Yeah, because we, we we are not paying for it. Is you get it if you're a member of the Prime shopping on Amazon. I mean, I don't, don't ask me, but this is this is a measure of how much money gets spent on Amazon <laughs> from the Hart household. Let, let me just say no more than that. Yeah, I mean, it's a clever idea, obviously, that they're doing this Prime. They're going to subscribe for the free trial, but you know what? They're going to end up going. Oh, I've got Prime. I can get you know ten. Ice fully makers um, <laughs> delivered by the time I've got home today, you know. So I'm I'm gonna do that, or or you know, ten ten inch zampers delivered by you know <laughs> tea tomorrow. So that's that's exactly what we're gonna do. Um, we, we're not we've not quite, I don't know if we've made a new sign yet. Nick. I mean, was Ryan Loftus a free agent? You know, what was he was he available for transfer to us? Oh, the scouting behind it and how we've done the deal. Ryan Loftus has, has been on loan to the show for some time. I'm, I'm hoping we've made the, the signature permanent there. Hopefully, hopefully trying to work my way through the youth ranks, I think, is uh, <laughs> how He's it's been. He's involved with the first team squad, but he's still... I mean, this oh, is, yeah. is, let's be fair, is, is this, this is his fan show debut, I think. He's the I Billy Mitchell. So. He's the Billy Mitchell of the show. He's, he's prepared to, get... to use me, but he doesn't want to give me minutes yet. And not the Billy Mitchell of EastEnders, where we and other people are thinking about. The George Alexander of the show. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ryan Loftus, welcome to Actung Millwall, the, the, the real Millwall branch. Good to have you on this evening, um, chap. Let's look back at Birmingham versus Millwall. Another strong away point. Um, I, I love this question. I always ask it, you know, you know, it's a generic sort of reporter's question when you can't really think of what to say. Um, Nick, was that a, a point gained or two dropped? Tell well, me. It's, a, classic. it's actually a very good question because it's it's both at once. It's, it was it Schrodinger's cat, isn't it? That can be alive and dead in the same moment. And this, the, the, it, that, that statement is, is both because <clears throat> at the start of the day, I don't know how you feel, Ryan, but I would have said, a point at Birmingham, St Andrews, or the Trillion Trophy, as it's called now. The um, yeah, yeah. I only realised that pre-game. I didn't realise that that had, had the name change. I thought it was one of the few grounds left by cars that hadn't. No, not a billion, not a million, but a trillion. There you go. But that's the actual owners. That's yeah. Yeah. It's one of them deals. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I speak, I'm in big trouble. But it's one of them. <laughs> Deals, like he had, you know. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. 
I mean, at half time, nil nil half time. I thought we had we had we had two strong chances. I was at the opposite end, so I'm looking down at the opposite end of the field, and Matt Smith seemed to have a, a header down, cleared off the line from the goalkeeper, and then Ben Thompson went very close of a, a, a fantastic um, shot into the into the top corner again, batted away by the Birmingham goalkeeper. So at nil nil at half time, I was in the um, in the camp that said that was a point gained, but. Having got ahead with that fantastic strike from Sean Williams, um, which I think was about 60 minutes, 61 minutes, um, to be ahead at Birmingham, looking so strong and, you know, looking in control like we did, it felt uh, it felt at the end of the full-time whistle like it was two points lost, you know. Um, so it's, it's a strange one. It's, it's a bit of both, in my opinion. How did you see it? Yeah. Well, I, I think... Pre-match definitely would have been uh, happy with a point and would have taken it. But like you say, with the performance, you do come away with it. Not feeling disappointed as much, but feeling like we did miss something. But, I mean, with the away performances, how they've been, you know, although we, we got the good win against Swansea away to, to kind of turn the form around, I think yeah. you've got to be happy with points for now. You've got to be looking really at performances rather than points. And I think as an away performance, I mean, I'm thinking back to performances this season away to Borough and Huddersfield and Blackburn under Harris, where we went there and looked like we were going for the draw and ended up losing the games. Or yeah. Borough we drew, but the others, we ended up losing the games. This game was very much on the front foot. We made positive substitutions at the end. Like you said, we got in front. And to come away from a game like that feeling like we should have won is a positive in itself, you know. The performance is much more important on the road. Birmingham aren't a bad side. They're not a bad side at home. I think overall, maybe two points dropped, but still a good positive point and performance that kind of bodes well going forward, I'd imagine. Do you, do you think Millwall have become more streetwise on the game, right? I would. Oh, I mean, the measure for me, sorry, interruption, Ron, but the measure for me is that abject display we had at Fulham back in, was it in August? <laughs> in the, very shortly yeah. after the season began. Yeah. You know, um, which was, yeah, I can't, it was what the ludicrous um, possession was, 85% to Fulham. Mm. And we just didn't look like we, we, we wanted to be there, that we had the players that were capable of performing at this, at this level. Well, you can't say that anymore. Um, you know, we, you can't see that kind of performance in this team as it's now structured and as it's, as it's now playing. And that's, that's yeah. a measure of how far he's taken us. Yeah, I think with the Fulham one as well, there was such a feeling of that turning up to that game and being like, well, we know we already know we're here to make up the numbers. Let's just get it over with sort of thing. Yeah. You know, lay back and, and think of England sort of sort of game. But, uh, <laughs> but I think with... And like that's what I was saying with the other away games where... I don't know what happened with Harris, you know, if, if when it got to, maybe it was the self-perpetuating away form that he started going into away games thinking, we don't deserve to win these games. We have to try and hold them and nick them. We have to try and, and we'd be going to teams who are dreadful, out of form and turning up being like, this is the top of the table on form side. And we will be lucky if they let us come away with a point every game, regardless of opposition. And I feel like with Rowett, it's a bit more streetwise, but it's a bit more self-belief as well that the players that he's got are good enough to go to away games and play as they can play and play as they want to play and bring something back with them, you know. And it's, the players are clearly capable of doing it. Confidence is a massive thing. I mean, I think you're right, Ryan. And I don't know what became of Neil Harris because that isn't the Neil Harris that I remember. No. Certainly as a, certainly as a player. And certainly, in fairness to him as a manager, that wasn't the that wasn't the story of his managerial um, era. In you know, we we were the archetypal underdog team that hit, punched above our weight, for want of a better phrase. And for mm. some reason, um, this season, maybe a bit last season, I don't know. And um, without really sitting down in a in a very honest um, way with Neil Harris, it's hard to know what what happened there because there was a change of thinking. And you're right, we we were going to clubs expecting to to be lucky to get the point expecting to lose in in inwardly that must translate it in itself into the into the group of players mm. and you're now looking at a team that are you know we're placing what 13th coming into into friday's game um mid table looking upwards you know the, the whole uh, the quote that um, gary rarick made about how far away are the playoff spots yeah rather than worrying about where the relegation contenders mm. are it's a huge, huge mindset change in quite a short space of time as well. Because um, the players are the same. 
Um, there's, you know, we've not made any, and there's no one come into the group. But there's no, nothing new apart from a different management and a different I, way of thinking. I think, I think, Nick, just, just building on your point there, we're seeing a manager who's experienced someone different, who's experienced success going up the leagues. And let's be fair, you know, taking Burton from League Two to League One, League One to the Championship, Gary Rabbit has seen success, more success than Neil Harris has as, yes. as, as a manager, you know, in terms of he's won leagues. He, he knows sort of, you know, the difference between a, a marathon and a sprint. I think we're seeing someone with a completely different mentality. That's not to knock what Neil Harris has ever done, and I'm never, ever going to do that because, you know, you know, he is a legend at Millwall for a reason. But, but it's just a case of, I think Millwall stumbled upon a manager who's got a different mindset, who's got maybe that winning mentality, who maybe is just... a different person in terms of, you know, he's an optimist rather than a pessimist or Gary, I'm not sure if Neil Harris looks at himself as a pessimist or a realist, whatever he does, but maybe you've got someone in there in Gary Rabbit who's, you know, just simply thinking, let's look at the glass as half full rather than half empty. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, Gary Rowett has, you know, has played at a higher level. I mean, again, it feels like I'm on a, a knock Neil Harris role yeah. and, and that isn't, that isn't where I'm coming from. Um, because Neil Harris at his best was a fine manager for Millwall who did a, a massive job when we yeah, were definitely. down in the dumps. You know, the post-Holloway period felt very depressing. And and look what he did for us. You know, the, the, it was it was sustained. Um, I think looking back, it's, it, it feels now like a little bit like a, a couple of seasons with a sustained cup run mentality where we were always playing out of our skins slightly, always over... over um, competing um, or hitting harder than, than we, we should, so to speak. And maybe that just ran out for him. I think maybe the limits of Neil at Millwall, and I, I, I wish him well at Cardiff, because I mm. I think from his point of view, perhaps the change of scene was also as equally as um, necessary to get yeah. away from the very intense bubble that is Millwall. You know? Well, it happens sometimes, to like, you know, players and managers themselves just, they just run out of steam. Like, if you look at Pochettino at Tottenham recently, you know, Yep. If 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 a year and a half ago, two years ago, you would have said Tottenham would be sacking Pochettino, no one would believe you. But it just where even Harris came into this season, like Pochettino did, talking about the end of the cycle and starting a new cycle. Sometimes maybe Harris lost confidence in himself a little bit or lost belief in what his own abilities. And yeah, he just needed a step away to somewhere where he didn't feel because at Millwall, you know, he he takes he or he seemed to take everything so personally all the time. Which, when he's got such a connection to the club, you can't, you know, you kind of expect that from him. So maybe he just needed a step back and to be at a job like he is now, where he's just that one level, just detached from it, you know. And we've one got someone else now who is a fresh pair of eyes, fresh set of ideas that's going to just bring in an extra level of motivation to players who it's already a good group of players we've got. We just yeah. need that little bit of extra motivation and fresh ideas, really. I mean, I posted after was it last week's game um, the quality of the post-match interview that he does with um, the, the club's TV. Uh, I was going to call it Lions TV. That's a completely different channel, isn't it? With Millwall, with Millwall Television, whatever it's called. Um, and he does these. He, he did one again at Swansea, and I've seen other ones where. Um, the level of communication, uh, and this came out of the, the meet the manager. I read the minutes the MSC put on online from the Monday night uh, meet the manager session they had at the Den, where you know he, his ability to communicate. And I know he's, he's worked on Sky TV, so it's clearly you know um, he's clearly good at good at it. At it. Um, but I've just been really struck by how when he speaks, you 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 listen and you are you want to know what he's thinking he's clearly got some depth and grounding in the game and and the you know the the the, the diet and the and the fitness and, and all the other stuff that you have to have to be on top of in, in football management yeah i just think, I think he's an interesting person to listen to ron i don't know how you find him no definitely i completely agree like i think he has won over a lot of people or not necessarily won over but impressed a lot of people with his post-match interviews like how he speaks like something we've not really been used to it in the depth of like tactical and like what he did during the game, what changes he made, what sort of areas we're looking at. I think uh, before he joined, I, I'd watched a couple of longer interviews with him um, just to kind of get an idea of who he is. And I think you said the same at the time, Nick, that you watched a couple of those and yeah. were already won over by him, you know, already impressed. And I think he does have that quality to him. Like when he speaks, like you said, you, he, you do listen and he comes across really well and he comes across 
knowledgeable. And with that bit of extra time out since the Stoke job, he's he's talked about, you know, watching other games, working with other coaches, improving his game. We're yeah. seeing kind of an extra level of Gary Rowett that maybe other clubs haven't seen where he is that bit more knowledgeable now and he is that bit more experienced that we're only going to keep benefiting from, really. I think he also has a bit of a point to prove. I mean, he was he was bruised by his exit from Birmingham. Yes. And then I think doubly bruised from his exit from Stoke City. <laughs> and, you know, he was out of the game for, I can't remember, was it nine months, eight months, nine months? Roughly, doing, yeah. Doing Sky TV work, uh, which is which is fine. You know, I'm sure that's that's very nice and very well paid. And, you know, it's probably, uh, probably has its advantages. But clearly he's a man that wants to get back into mm. the dressing room. He wants to, you know, work with a group of players. And he has a point to prove. I, I think that he does hurt a little bit from that experience. Yeah. And, you know, the contrast being um, Neil Harris had this intense emotional connection with, with Mill Football Club, which we all know about and we, we've lived it with him. It's quite interesting for, for someone like Gary Rowett, who doesn't have the same level of, um, you know, emotional uh, impact or the connection with us all, but does have a point to prove and does clearly have a lot of knowledge in the, in the game. I, I think it's, it's a really interesting appointment, actually. It is. Well. I, think, I think what's really, really interesting about it is kind of another layer, which is something he's mentioned in, definitely in his first few interviews, and something that he keeps bringing up is that the quality of the group that obviously Neil yeah. Harris and Dave Livermore have built and that he's come into a group that is really together, really good chemistry, really well, like good work ethic and that. And it's not often that a manager steps into a dressing room that is that well-balanced and that well-crafted. Normally, mm. there's players to get back on side or a few faces to get rid of. Harris did that during the summer. He got rid of all the bad, eight players bad in the end that needed yeah, to go. Yeah, and he got yeah, rid of all yeah. of them. You can't look at that squad now and say there's a couple of people that could have gone. He's brought in new players who are exciting. And Gary Rowett's kind of stepped into a dream sort of dressing room scenario where he just needs to impress them in training and in briefings and whatever behind the scenes and they're already going to be working for him and they're already going to know each other and have that chemistry like he's really stepped into something that he can hit the ground running and you know has done and so it's, 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 it is a good good situation at the moment for him and for the club I think Achtung, How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's one interesting comment. I, I don't know if it's in the notes on the MSC or whether I've, I've seen it on the forums where someone was actually in, in the room on Monday. But they were talking about Rowett, obviously, and every, everyone's talking about Rowett, but no one's talking about his sidekick, which is Callum Davidson. Mm. Um, and there, there was one one exchange where um, I think it was Davidson said that he also puts his thoughts and views and, and tactical input 
into Rowett, but he knows when to back off, when when to when to he wants advice and, and helpful hints, and then there's a moment where you have to say yes, boss, we'll, we'll do it your way, or whatever, whatever the case may be. Mm. But I, I think that it, it was quite interesting that Davidson seems to be as much a tactician, as much uh, you know, as knowledgeable almost as Gary Rowett. But clearly, he's the lead man, he's the communicator, he's the talker, and you get you do get that sense from listening to him that. You know, th- th- this will be welcome relief for the group, I think, to have someone they, new that comes in like that. They played in the same back line at Leicester, I think, together, Gary Did they? and Did they? Callum okay. Davidson. So there's going to be some form of chemistry. Plus, the size of Callum Davidson's ears, I'd, he, he's got to be picking something up on them. He's got to be doing something good with them, you know. So uh, <laughs> he, he, he smashed it and he's, uh, it looks like he's, he's been well received here. Um, Absolutely. Can, can we pick up on the news? I mean, I think sort of Millwall Twitter um, uh, has been going uh, up to the moment by, uh, well, this week's revelation is I want to spend £10 million on Jed Wallace. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting one. It's, I mean, he's going to get interest. I mean, the the freedom that he's playing with, and the the kind of, uh, I don't know what you're. I'm going to defer to Ryan's knowledge of tactics and positional, whatever whatever position he's he's got at the moment. Whether that's a, a false nine or a running round ten, or I don't know what they're called. <laughs> a running round uh, ten, I think, is the technical term. <laughs> Or he's a seven. He's one a, of the quick a, ones. He's, he's a loose seven, whatever, the, whatever, the, whatever the, the the modern expression is. He's certainly playing out of his skin at the moment. He's on maximum form, and of course, he's going to attract attention. I mean, I, I had a, a contact today from a Forest fan wanting me to answer some questions for his for his blog and for ahead of Saturday, uh, Friday, and asking about Jed Wallace. Um, and he, he made the point that if uh, at Forest they might be interested in Jed Wallace. So I said to him, well, if I were in Jed Wallace's shoes and if I had um, uh, Jed Wallace's talent, I'd be looking for a Premier League contract rather than mm. the Nottingham Forest contract. I don't know yeah. if you'd agree with that, Ryan. I think he's I think he's, he's got the he's got the pizzazz to go to the top, and that's what I would want. If I, I think with shoes. I always find it weird when a Premier League clubs do look at Millwall players so I just can't quite believe we've got players good enough but Jed at the moment is uh is he is just the next level and he is like obviously the key player to our team and and like you say he's he's now 25 26 by the end of the season so yeah. he's coming into his kind of peak as a player especially in his position like he'll when you start losing your pace especially a player how he plays when he starts losing his pace he'll go a bit quicker so I think yeah his next move has to be someone who is either nailed on for promotion or in the Premier League already. I think Forrest get Dwight Gale, and I think I think they're going to start blowing teams away in the second half of the season. Yeah, that's not a bad shout because they do need kind of a second fiddle to to grab him as well. They do rely on him a bit too much, and he's he know, he's known to blow hot and cold. But I think with Jed, the, the, I wouldn't begrudge him a move away at all. I think the loyalty he's he's shown to Millwall at his since he's joined, really, he's been. You know, I think you you think back to like someone like James Henry, who mm. is obviously similar position, at, obviously not at the level of Jed Wallace as a player, but he to me always seemed like he had one eye on the door. You know, as soon as he had, he'd have a couple good months. There'd be a rumor maybe circulating that someone wants to go, and he'd already be thinking, "Oh, he's off." With with Jed, like he's people have bid for him in the past, and he's stayed. Whether that was his decision, the club's decision, you don't know. But I think. Clubs seem to be less inclined to do their business in January at the moment anyway. So I think the likes of Villa actually buying him for 10 mil in January seems less likely. It's not a position they're in desperate need of to improve. They're they're doing all right in the Premier League. It might be something they look to strengthen their squad in the summer. If it did happen to an offer came in from in the summer, that was 10 million. I think you've you've got to take it really. And... uh, we can reinvest that money well, and Jed, he, if he if he play if he plays this like this the whole season, you can't really begrudge him a move up the le- the ladder because no, I mean, I mean the, the club will also be weighing the. But I don't know when his contract is is up because he can leave on a, on a you know on on, on the, uh, the once his contract's finished, he can go anywhere at that point. So exactly. whether that's whether that's at the end of this season or not, I don't know, and maybe listeners will correct me when when um when they hear this but i would think if you know if there's that kind of um end of the line type of sense the buffers at the end of the railway line coming in in the summertime and then if you do get an offer at that level or 
possibly I'd, I'd want more personally I'd be looking for better than that I'm sure the club will be mm. on point on that then yeah you do have to wait up and there are areas around the this squad where we need to improve and strengthen and Definitely. you know as, as we saw with George Savile sometimes you've got to take the money it'll mm. be heartbreaking to see Jed move on but as you say I, I, I can't begrudge him it and at this stage of his playing life so to get a chance of the, of the money that he can get who can say no to that? I, 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 I don't know. His contract ends in 2020 right now. Um, right. You know, there we are. There we are. Yeah. Paid 300 grand for him in, in, in July 2017. To go from 300 grand to 10 million pounds is, is a serious bit of business for, for, for Millwall. It shows that obviously they've done something well in, in kind of nurturing and improving this player. And so if they can reinvest that money well, if they can be trusted, if we can trust Rowett and, and, really trust Rowett to go and go and sort of strengthen the area. I think a lot of people talked about midfield, central midfield. Yeah. Um, you know, F backs an option. Um and, and then on the wing as well, on the flank as well. You never know. You you could, you know, sort of sell one and one and buy buy a couple price and, and, and do some do some business. Yeah, I do think I do I do completely agree with that. Like we're not at the moment, I think I think it was Berylson said he may have said it at the uh, the, mon- the Monday night meet the manager. I don't know if it's Berylson or Barrow who'd said it, but um, the message obviously came from Berylson where the club isn't in a financial position anymore where it has to sell immediately. Whereas mm-hmm. in the past, like we get a bid, so like when we sold Morrison for what was it two point three million, I think yeah, to Norwich. Yeah, as soon yeah. as we got that bid, you ha- he had to go because we had to have that money. At the moment, from what it sounds like, especially with Husky Chocolate coming in, is uh we're not in a position where we need to sell like as soon as we get a, a, a de- half decent bid. I think maybe in the past we've been shortchanged by teams a bit because they know we've not been the strongest financially or whatever. At the moment, you know, we've turned down bids for Wallace in the past. We've turned down bids for Jake Cooper, you know, multi-million pound bids that previously I think Millwall would have sniffed at the chance of even selling a player like that. At the moment, the market that the championship is we're in a bit better position to hold on to these players and maybe tease out a million or two extra. And again, if you can just reinvest that better in the squad, it's what you've got to do if you're a club at our level, really. It's the, yeah. the best way to improve the team rather than just throwing money at it and getting in debt. Really, it's the best way to sell players and reinvest is the, the way forward in the championship at the moment. A couple of points on that. I mean, Gary Rowett has mentioned the small, uh, smallness of the squad which is both a good thing and a bad thing, because once you get a couple of injuries, you find out that the, you know, you're know you down to the threadbare, as we were going up to Birmingham on on, uh, on Saturday. So, But the, the smallness of the squad breeds the kind of team group mentality that we've been praising so much. So there's a, mm. there's a balance to be struck on that. I, I also just want to say that it, it's an if at the moment. If, we, if Jed does go in January, and if it is to an Aston Villa or... Another, another FC, and if it is for that kind of money, because that's the kind of money that would prize him away from um, from Millwall at the moment, then that's a massive tribute to the the club's development skills. Because look back at George Savile, who we bought for whatever it was, wasn't not very much. No, it's and a few then, hundred then thousand, isn't it? It sold to Middlesbrough for eight million, and then you know, as, as whatever we pay for Jed, something similar, and he's going for that kind of um, money. We've had. You know, allegedly five million bid for Jake Cooper. It's it's quite some quite a tribute to um, I suppose that's Neil Harris and and his and his team for taking players on relatively low signing on fees and moving them on for big money. That's what we've always been calling for at the Millwall. We've always understood yeah. that we're not a, a Real Madrid that we're not going to you know a, a build a team of Galacticos. Not like that anyway. So that's 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 a I take my hat off to the club um, for the development if that's what it comes to with Jed on this occasion because you know not many can do that. No, it's the the modern trick of uh, spotting value where others miss it and talent yeah. where others miss it, which is you know it's worth its weight in gold at the moment. And if the club can keep doing that, you know even if it's fifty percent success rate with signings or whatever, you can take that and you can, you know we might drop in form a bit, but we might always have something coming through as well. It's who, who, who we bring in, that's going to be the question if, if, exactly. if that does come to pass. Achtung, Mailball. We're now with Yuri Skelat because he's, he started the first time since, since the game against Fulham. Um, yeah. See, like, finally, are we actually seeing Skelat actually do something? Or... It didn't do bad. 
I didn't do yeah. bad on Saturday. Uh, 80, 85 minutes. He's. I'm just looking at the football league paper as we're talking. They give him six out of ten, which is probably about about par. Um, mm. He certainly didn't embarrass himself, and and uh, he, he did a good job. Um, I think he's another player. Give him some time. Give him some confidence. Get him some confidence, and he'll do a good job. I I I quite look like what I saw on Saturday. What did you feel, Ron? Did you like him? Yeah, yeah. I thought he um he looked lively. He he. You could tell he was a bit rusty. There was a couple of occasions where he could have played the ball a bit quicker, or could have taken a shot on, and he just didn't do it, which is something you see with players who've been out for a while, haven't had a lot of first-team action. You know, that they're that half-second off the pace of the game, and it costs them. Ooh. I think the the annoying thing, well, to say the annoying thing with Shalak, but the, the thing that's been so frustrating is, you know, last season he came in and obviously didn't really set the world on fire. And um, it's come out in the summer, you know, he's had issues with fitness and confidence and that. And he all this talk of through the summer being... He's coming back a new player. He's committed. He's shown new levels of commitment to get his fitness right, to get his performance right. And then the first opportunity he gets this season, he gets injured and he's out for a month or so. And it's <laughs> so it's good that he's back in. It's good that he's got through the game. I think, yeah, he was lively. His co- competition with Mahoney as well is only going to be positive. Even if we don't get the best out of Scalak, it might get the best out of Mahoney as well. But, um, one thing I do think, actually, that I've noticed after the last few games with, with that left-wing position is I genuinely feel if we can replace Murray Wallace with a better left-back, we will see either Scalak or Mahoney, whoever plays on the left wing, look better as well. Purely because a lot of the attacking moves down the left, I noticed it against Birmingham. When Wallace got on the ball, obviously he's playing out of position. He's not used to bombing forward down the wing in his career. His his slowness and his bad decision making really does kind of cost us some moves. So it always ends up maybe Jed Wallace coming right around the other side to try and get involved, and they get in each other's way. So attacks break down the left. If you look at the right hand side where Romeo is always supporting Jed and links up well with Thompson, if you could get someone similar, maybe not as attacking as Romeo, but someone similar on that left side, whoever plays on the left wing, I think will benefit from it. Realistically. I suppose the immediate sticking plaster for that would be whenever we can get Shane Ferguson back in into the yeah. team and, and fit enough to to start. I mean, his 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 injury has been a blow. I, I mean, I I like Murray Wallace. Maybe I've got a, a a kind of a soft spot for for functional, um, slightly untalented but honest mm. players that will do anything, <laughs> do anything for the cause. No, you know, I, I, I agree. It's, I do, it's I do like him. Aaron, I, I do like him, and I do think he has done really well covering. But I think it's just every time I do watch him. I'll be getting frustrated with him for 45 minutes and he'll do something really good and I'll be like, oh, no, I let him off. He doesn't normally play there. Forgive him. (laughs) But I do think at the moment he is probably the weak spot in the team that needs addressing to make us more balanced and just improve us. Poor old Murray. Everything that Ryan said is true there. I mean, he he does frustrate (laughs) and... um, you know, at times when he's not a natural wingman, is he? But he does his best, and I, he I, does. I, I, I have a soft spot for anyone that does their best in this life. God and the Wolf fans love a trial. Oh, they do love a trial. <laughs> I was brought up in a very different era of Harry Cripps and and the other players that weren't the most talented in the world, but you kind of love them because they got the blue shirt on. So I, I, I have time and space for Murray Wallace, but I, I think I want that to be as a as a squad player. Not necessarily a starting left back, yeah. and, that, and and that comes back to the need to generate some funds to to get someone decent in, and <clears throat> you know it's competition for Shane Ferguson again is a wonderful story for the, the way that he's come back from the uh, from the cold, but um, yeah, to get someone on the left there would be would be a big step forwards. Achtung, Milbal. Also, it'd be nice to see if we can actually make a permanent deal out of Jason Malumbi because. Um, yeah, interesting. I saw a couple rumours about that. But... Noises around that, that that might be something that we're looking at. And I, I think that's the kind of mm. noise I want to hear. We touched on Conor Mahoney earlier on. And it was interesting. One of the, um, I think Gary Rowett's comments at the Meet the Manager session was that uh, Conor is a, I think it was contrasting with Jed's flamboyance and desire for the limelight and the, uh, a player willing to go out and, you know, in front of the, the thousands and, and, and make it happen. Whereas Connor apparently is a, is a more um, reserved individual and, and, and struggles with that aspect of the game. Now, um, if it, it, it'd be interesting to see if they can really bring the best out of Connor Mahoney. I, I think clearly has talent, clearly has touch and, and ability to deliver across. But if you can get inside his head and get him to perform as, as, as 
um, over time that's been done with Jed. I think we have a jewel in the crown there because I think he's a great player potentially. He's not at the moment because he's not playing well enough, but he, he, he has the ability and the ingredients to be so, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. It's just a, a matter of actually getting out of it because it's a shame when you when you, you do see some players come to the den and just not make it, not because of talent or whatever, but just because it's not the right fit. I mean, it happens at a lot of clubs, but yeah, like you, you say, Mahoney has you, a lot of talent. And You mentioned he, Lewis Graben earlier on. I think he's probably the classic example yeah, of a player exactly. that never, think, never made it at the den. And yet, you know, if, if we're sensible, he's clearly a talented striker. He's gone yeah, to other clubs and made it. And, mm. you know, um, there's, there's, there's many a player that does... Uh, thrive at the den, but quite a few that don't for various reasons. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully, hopefully they can find the right balance with him, and uh, Rowett can can get inside his head and get get a tune out of him because he, like you said, we I mean we spent a decent amount of money on him as well, so it'd be nice to recoup some of that going forward as well in a few seasons. But I, I, there's hope for him yet. You know, it's only been not even been six months at the club yet, so it's hard to rule him out. Work to be done, I, I think. Cliche is decent little player. Decent. <laughs> Well, he, his opening day appearance, I think I was raving about him like we discovered, um, you know, on the Dutch Masters and he's kind of yeah. gone downhill ever since. So it might have been uh, since your Twitter poll of when was the last player as good as Conor Mahoney, Nick. <laughs> this, may, this may all lie on your shoulders, to be honest. Uh, so much does in my life. It, it, it won't be the, won't be the, not the first or the last time that I've had stuff like that thrown at me, but no, he's... His opening day performance was was um, he was going past defenders like knife through butter, and then it's not all went a bit you know a bit Pete Tong after that. So um, yeah, it'd be nice to see him come back into the fray and play to his his capabilities. He certainly got got the uh, got the talent for it. Yeah, certainly. Um, should we look ahead to Friday night? Friday night football, man. Friday, Friday night nights. Nick. Are you are you good? You're going to be there, I presume, obviously. Oh, I'll be there Friday night at the. At the How do you feel that one with Mrs. R? <laughs> she, she's very forgiving. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of, one of the one of the early conversations in our relationship. This is not a podcast for that kind of thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I will be there. I will be there Friday night certainly. I wonder what kind of crowd we're going to get actually, because it's mm. it's, it's on Sky um, live. Um, you know, it's uh, the, the the ticket prices, and I don't know. The club's been getting slated online because I'll had a quick look online earlier on just to check to my facts before I come on this. But thirty-two pound for a ticket to sit in the West Upper, um, for you know, for someone wanting to to just go along and watch the football. That seems like a lot of money for a game that you can watch for nothing on Sky or in, in the pub, um, you know, on Sky TV. Um, I do believe, and I stand to be corrected again from any, any more knowledgeable way out there listening, but there are certain uh, game, or certain rules and regulations on price reductions in, in league games. I'm not sure you can just do it willy-nilly like some have been calling for, but it would have been lovely to see prices reduced on Friday night and hopefully, you know, a fuller house than, than we might see on, on the night, but I, I, Forest is a big game. Milvey Forest is a the kind of game that you I look for at the start of the season. These, this, these are one of the these are twice winners of the European Cup. This I know they've fallen on harder times since, but Nottingham Forest are a big club to use that awful modern thing that everyone gets worried about. <laughs> whether you're a big or a small club, they are a mm. big club. They're one of the um, they're one of the names of English football, and I, Mill versus Forest is always a big game in my in my. Um, in my world anyway so it'd be good to see that the den reasonably fall for it and, and a good atmosphere Friday night atmosphere I, I think I don't struggle on that front but um, yeah a bit of a debate about ticket prices I, I, I don't know yeah um, the ticket prices one's hard I think because it's like you said I think it's there are issues over dropping the price mid-season yeah, I don't, I don't I think mean, you can it, just do it I don't, you know, I, I don't think you can because it's not it would be the done thing otherwise and I haven't really heard of many other championship clubs doing it or yeah. any others for that matter. I mean, I think Mill's ticket pricing should be lower. Not, I mean, not just Mill. I think across England, everyone can agree that ticket prices should be lower anyway. But it's hard. I think Mill. I think last season there was when they did the price of football report. I think it was in the Championship. Mill and Sheffield United relied most on ticket sales for their income. I think ours was almost half. I know this is pre-Husky money as well. Yeah. But you can still buy the quality of sponsors. I mean, when you're still sponsored by 
an undertaker's and, and yeah. several. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That is a that is a. It's true. You're, you're sponsored by a ferry company with no logistics no office. Boats. So it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> no <laughs> boats or office. It's uh, then you are relying on the ticket sale, so you can understand Mill kind of wanted to get every penny they can out of their fans in that regard. But now with the Husky money, maybe it's something going forward the club might look at in terms of the price of tickets, season tickets, everything like that. If they can get their money elsewhere, you know, it would be nice do, to see. We do get a lot of tourist trade. Um, you it's, know, people uh, yeah. on, on, there was a wonderful, I, I think I mentioned it in the last show that I did when it was Wigan last week, where there was a, an American family in front of where, where I was sitting. And of course the language is as fruity as you can imagine. Um, you know, the full, the chanting at the lino, you name it, everyone, there's, there's Fs and Cs flying around and the look on their faces. And this wasn't the the kind of um, family kind of experience that they understood yeah. English football to be. I mean, you should let them enjoy their trip, Nick, to be honest, rather than uh, getting all in their faces with the, the abuse of the lino. But we, we do get a lot of tourists. I suppose it's close to the I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Some some get quite itchy and scratchy about it, but I, I don't have a problem with it. You know, if they're, if they're paying £32, £64 for two to, to sit down and watch watch Millwall and they want to go in the club shop and buy the the, the various tap that they have in there, then all well and good, well, you know, it's, it's what we want. Surely. Whatever is actually available in the club shop. Whatever you can lay your hands on in there. Yeah. Maybe this is why they have such a stocking issue. The tourism trade is so high at the moment, they can't keep up with the demands. Achtung! Millwall. Forest coming to the game in um, fourth, I believe. Fourth, yeah. Um, and they're a decent team. They've got a good away record. I was looking at the league table earlier on. Um, in fact, I've got it right in front of me now. Mm-hmm. Good away best, record. Yeah, and lead, you know, the decent team in the away form table. Five wins away, four draws, only lost mm-hmm. once. Yeah, 15, I think it's... 15, eight, uh, four and against. So they're a decent team away from home. <laughs> I've watched them a few times this season. You know, they're, they're to play on the deck. Again, with Forrest, you always look at them. And, I mean, you just wonder every time they spend money in the summer. It seems like it seems the periods where they spend loads and then they have, like, four years where they're, they're just skint and they're relying on a mixture of kids and, like, people like Andy Reid. But, you know, they're <laughs> this sort of, like, Portuguese, you know, sort of imports, you know. Yeah. They've got a big squad. It's a really big squad. I'm talking established figures like Pantillamon, the Graben, Ben Watson, Matt Cash has been around, John Bostock, remember him? Mm, Palace yeah, Park. I saw he was, he was playing for them. Michael Dawson, Lolly's knocking around there. Uh, ben Luan as well, he's been about. So they've got a real blend. I think they're in big shit with FFB next year. It's one of them. Yeah, potentially, if they don't go up. Yeah, I... I... I don't know enough about the club and its financial position to to, to comment on that. I, I, all I do know is that Forrest are one of the big names of English football. But I like Leeds, you know, I, we have to be um, adult about these things. Leeds, top of the table. If you said to me, are Leeds a Premier League club? Yes, they are. They are ex-champions. They are, you know, um, they are a team that should be in the top flight, as as should as should West Brom, as should Forrest, for, because they are... Of a, of a stature that they they would expect to be Premier League contenders. So, um, how they're standing at the moment? If they need promotion this season, I don't know. But they are they are they, they are a, a club that has has depth and, and history, and um, that's who I would have thought the Premier League would would suit best. So, that said, um, they're coming to us on Friday night. We 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 do love this fixture. It's one of those games where. The Millwall collective um, psyche raises its. It is like when Leeds come. This is a forest. This is this is a big side, and we we tend to raise our game for these kinds of matches. It it will be a really interesting game, I think, because uh, I think Forest normally the teams. I think um, you I think you mentioned about the our stats against the top six and the the you know the lower teams. We take a lot more points off top six when we're kind of not expected to, especially this season. Yeah. What's interesting with Forest is usually the top six sides work in our favour because they want to dominate and we're good in the counter. What's weird is Forest this season are playing really, really counter-attacking football. They've got, I think in the league, they're the third lowest average possession. I mean, we're bottom, but they're third at lowest. And they're doing a lot of their damage off the ball. And I saw their last away game was on Sky. They played uh, QPR. They won 4-0. They had 38% possession and they had an extra man for 40 minutes of the game. And to come out of a game like that with 38% possession, 4-0 winners. I know they got two late ones, but 
it, it kind of summarises how they're playing at the moment. And it's it'll be really interesting to meet us if, you know, if we try and keep the ball and dominate possession, you know, they could tear us apart. But if we show a bit of resilience and, you know, maybe try and make them play a little bit, it'll be a really interesting battle, I think. Home form for us is really good. Against good teams, we generally step up our game. But then their kind of counter-attacking style will be a real a real kind of spanner in the works to see how this one goes. It's going to be a really interesting game to watch, I think. It's going to be a decent fixture. Big, Hopefully a big atmosphere inside, no matter what the size of the crowd. I mean, just looking at the form table, Millwall... Uh, six from in the in the last six games, six in in, in the form table. Forest just uh, three positions below us, so we're actually the form team coming into this, which is a strange position to find ourselves in. Um, we we you know we are the eternal underdogs by by nature, but it's going to be a decent game, decent fixture, and I'm looking forward to it. Achtung, Mailball. Score predictions. I will go for uh, Millwall one. Nottingham Forest one. Right. I'm not. This one is so. I don't want to. I mean, my heart is uh, saying a, a two-one to Millwall, but my head is saying it could be the inverse. So I think a two-one <laughs> each way. I'll go. I'm not sure. I think there'll be goals in it, but I'm not sure which way it's going to go. Yeah, I think two-one Millwall is a really, really solid. Part of me was three-two Millwall, but uh, I don't know. I, n- I never back us on Sky either, to be honest. I can't remember the last time I saw a good Mill performance on Sky. Achtung, I don't know if anyone feels like mentioning the FA Cup draw, or is it? Yeah, yeah. FA Cup round sure. three. Good, good call. Millwall versus Newport has a strangely early 80s feeling to that fixture. I haven't seen that for such a long time. Um, it's like taking me back to 1981 again. You know, it's, that's the last time I think we, we played Newport was in the the old third division. So it's although it's a bit of an unglamorous tie, I'm kind of looking forward to it in a perverse way. Yeah, well, I think in the last couple of years, it's been us and Newport who have uh, been pulling off the biggest um, FA Cup upsets. Really, I think it's yeah, we're yeah, lucky we didn't get them away. I think going to to Ronnie Parade is always a difficult. I think Borough lost there last year, and obviously Tottenham came close. I think they've done a really good job. And obviously, we've got a few current and ex-Millwall players down there. So, it'll be an interesting tie. We've got a little bit of history with them in terms of, you know, players exchanging. And we both love a cup run. It'll be... There's worse ties to get, I think, for playing a League Two side. I think there's worse teams we could have got. I think the only the main thing for both sides probably is to get it settled on the day rather than to drag yes. it out to a replay. I think that, that will be... The main, um, whether you win it or lose it, in a way, is, is, is. I'd also like to see some of the, um, some of the, the players that haven't had a chance. So we're talking about the, the Billy Mitchells and the George Alexanders, perhaps get a chance against Newport at least to start um, or come into the game at some point. But certainly, a decision on the day is going to be the main thing because I don't think a replay would suit either either side. But no, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it as a, as a kind of a an old-fashioned feeling to it as a fixture. So more you know, more power to those kinds of fixtures, I say. Definitely. No one fancy Rodney Parade away in mid-January, let me just say that. No, not at all, not at all. Parade <laughs> Rodney. But uh, yeah, no, no one will. But it's champagne tie of the round, Millwall versus... <laughs> if it's not on television, I will be fuming. Gutted. They'll be missing a trick. Wounded. Thousands of viewers turning up. If, if, if the masses don't turn up for this, I will be wounded as well. I'll, I'll try and sell it to my my 11-year-old nephew as one of the glamour ties around. Can do it! I, I, somehow I can't see it working. But anyway, you know, this is what I... This is what I was brought up on back in the olden days, these kinds of pictures. So, yeah, didn't do me any harm, did it? Uh, no, it didn't at all. I mean, don't get me wrong, there's only a Merseyside derby otherwise. Yeah, uh, Liverpool Everton. Yeah. yeah, you already get that twice a season. The new yeah, Formula was a one-off, isn't it? <laughs> no one needs that. No one needs that. Uh, but, gentlemen, yeah, it's it's going to be a good one. Millwall, of course, taking on Nottingham Forest this Friday at the Den. Uh, whatever you're up to on Saturday, I mean, just st- st- stay out of trouble. You know, be good. Do a bit of Christmas. You doing Christmas shopping this weekend, Nick? You know, for Saturday? Well, I, I, we, we are all off as a family group over to my sister-in-law's over in Ealing for um, uh, kind of a, a pre-Christmas pre-Christmas meal, so um, that's what I'll be doing Saturday. I intend to consume um, red wine. 
that would be my my, my yeah, main get aim. Get Frenny's ready for Sunday morning, mate. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> That's a good old weekend plan. Yo, Rennie's already uh, for Sunday morning. And yeah. um, I have got. What have I got on this weekend? I'm in Leon at the moment, so there is the Fête de Luminaires, which is a, wow. a lights wow. festival around the city where they do lights displays and. The whole city goes up, so I'll be having a couple of days walking around, taking in the sights of that. Far too gentrified for this. Place. What are you up to, Aaron? What are you, <laughs> Me, you having a go I've this got weekend? Saturday off. Here Saturday we go. Off. It's my first oh, Saturday off in I don't know how long. I don't yeah. actually know there what I'm going to do with myself. To be honest, I'm a bit concerned that about three o'clock I'm just going to crawl into a cupboard and just sit there and, and kind of wait until ten to five because I, I don't really know what I'm doing. But Sunday, Sunday I'm off to West Broms, West Brom Swansea to watch the baggies. Okay. Um, is that working or is that for pleasure? Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, no. Uh, for work. I don't think anyone goes work. to West Brom for uh, pleasure. I was going to say. Yeah. Work to work on Sunday, but Saturday is going to be very, very odd that I, uh, I'm, I'm going to be, I, I don't know, I can't really watch soccer Saturday or anything else. I'm going to try and find some football. I might go and watch some non-league or something like that. I've been local. Yeah. Oh, not a bad chat. No, I mean, actually, funny enough, I looked at it. I looked at the um, the fixtures. Um, I'd go and, look, go and watch Wimbledon, but they're away uh, somewhere, but they're away at Bolton. You've got Wickham Wanderers who are away. They're not even playing this weekend. Um, you've got Charlton away at Middlesbrough. Otherwise, I would have tapped up my pals. They're Fulham at Bristol City, but I can't be bothered with that. It's too, it's too cold for that. Um, mm. But yeah, it's, it's just there's, there's nothing really on. There's nothing really on, you know, which is, which is a bit sad. Don't worry, I'm sure I'll find some football to watch. Um, nice one. Yeah, chaps. This has been our first one, courtesy of Amazon. Thank you to Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 we are pals we're fans of yours as well mate um, but yeah until next week only one thing left to say bye for now Achtung Mehlball. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money.